0: The Beaux-Arts Photography Podcast with Alan and Natalie Brio. I wanted to talk about the importance of not giving up on photography when you try to sell your work and it doesn't sell as well as you expect it to sell or it doesn't sell at all. Because one of the things that we've noticed uh, with students is that they desire to sell their work and they give it a try. And they don't quite succeed as well as they expect to be successful. And for a lot of them, that's discouraging to the point where we quit photography altogether.
1: Yes, I agree.
0: And I think that the problem is that they don't quite separate two different things. One of them being their desire to create fine art photographs, their desire to express themselves through photography. And the capability of a particular work to sell, you know, to be sellable. And we have to keep in mind that when you create fine art, the main reason why people are going to buy your work is because of you as an artist. Yes. You're really selling first and foremost yourself. It's different from other types of photography that might be related to a location or to a particular subject. You know, let's say, for example, we go to Barrett-Jackson, which is going to start next week, and I buy a photograph of a car. I don't really care with the photographer necessarily. I might. I might, But first and foremost, my interest in ha- is in having a, a quality photograph of a particular car, a particular vehicle. And so in that case, the market is already made. The market are people who like cars, for example. Right, and people
1: who are car crazy.
0: Exactly, like... Uh, McGuire would say. Yes. (laughs) They are car crazy, but you don't really have to look for an audience that knows you. They don't have to know you. They they need to know the car.
1: Right. And they have already been qualified. I mean, they're paying to get in. These are qualified buyers. Exactly. And you're also guaranteed a certain number of people walking through your booths.
0: Right. So if you find a, a venue that caters to car crazy people, you're in business a provider that you have the kind of cars that we are interested in. But in fine art, it's different because if you express a personal emotion, if you express something which is about you, then you have to have people that are interested in what you have to say because you're not really selling anything that they can recognize necessarily. Right. Okay. Now, there are ways around that in landscape photography. For example, you can sell on the basis of location you know, which is what we did at Grand Canyon in some ways. We sold photographs of Grand Canyon to people that came to see the Grand Canyon. Tourists. So basically, we carried it to the tourist market. But eventually, there's only so much money you can ask for a photograph in a touristic environment. Because people that come to, again, visit the Grand Canyon, aren't coming to spend a fortune on photographs. They are really intending to bring back a souvenir, mm-hmm. even bring back a photograph at all that's not advance. They really mean it as a souvenir. And a souvenir has a price tag that isn't that of a fine art photograph. Right.
1: Okay? Well, I know when I sold your work over in the Scottsdale area, the one comment that a lot of uh, customers said when they were purchasing your work and looking at your work was, I just love the colors. They just loved your color palette. That is what they really loved and how they felt when they looked at your images. They weren't looking, oh, this is Grand Canyon. I want a souvenir of Grand Canyon. At that point, the audience had changed and also the artwork had changed.
0: So in other words, they weren't buying on the basis of location. They were buying on the basis of the artist. They wanted, you know, the style that I was using and uh, the, the the way that I was creating the image. And, and that's one of the main... Things that has to happen for a photographer doing fine art to be able to get a good price for their work. They have to leave the selling on the basis of location or subject matter and move on to selling on the basis of their name. And that's a giant step forward that has to be done, but that's very difficult to do because that means you have to develop a personal style, mm-hmm. a recognizable personal style. I mean, of course, we, we can say that, you know, everybody has a style. We can describe what they do. And in a sense, that's the basis of style. But if it's exactly the same as what other people do, that's not personal. In other words, we all have a style, but only some of us have a personal style, meaning a style that is recognizable, that's easily identifiable. That is, if you look at a photograph from a particular photographer without their name on it, and among the photographs from many other photographers, can you pick it apart? Can you say, well, this one is from this person? If you can, then there is a style that's personal. Right. If you can't, then you know it's just lost in the, in the quantity of work. And when you do that, when you start to sell on the basis of your name, of your style, as opposed to the basis of location, not only can you start to ask more money because your prices become in a different category, which is personal work as opposed to location work, you also develop an audience, which is the key thing to sell your work. And going back to my original question, which is why are some photographers not able to sell their work, and why do they get discouraged doing photography because they can't sell their work? Well, the answer is essentially because they don't succeed at developing an audience, at finding an audience. Right. Finding an audience can take years. That's the thing. I've had uh, students ask me, how do you do it? Well, you do it by showing your work, by publishing, by having shows, by having, uh, you know, interviews, by having opportunities to show your work. But it can take years. In my case, it took a very long time. I mean, for a long time, I wasn't selling anything. Mm-hmm. But that did not discourage me from taking photographs. Right. I continued. And I think that's why eventually I become successful. I mean, one of the key secrets, if we can speak of secrets of success, is not giving up.
1: I know. And um, when you're selling your work and you're not making any sales... You still have to be upbeat. You have to be positive And, you know, and when somebody walks into your booth and they ask you, you know, how's it going? It's great. It's going really well. I had to do a lot of uh, really uh, watch my facial expressions and make sure I smiled at everybody. I would even smile and say hi to people that walked by my booth and didn't come into my booth, you know. You, you have know? to stay positive. Because yeah. otherwise, you know, you get into... Uh, where you don't want to talk to anybody and you just kind of shut down.
0: Yeah, you have to stay positive. You have to keep a positive attitude because if you become depressed, then it gets even worse. But not only that, because what you're talking about is having found a place where you can sell your work Mm -hmm. and then keeping positive, even though that may not be the best day in your life, you know, in terms of sales. But there is another issue, which is before you find a place to sell your work. That is, for the longest time, I had no idea where to sell my work. Right. And I think a lot of photographers are in that situation. Where do I sell my work? And today, the answer for a lot of them is to build a website and wait for people to buy their work. But the problem is that because you build a website, doesn't mean that anybody knows where it is. Right. You know, you can't find a website by accident on the internet.
1: No, not at all. You
0: have to have the URL. You have to have a link to click on or you have to have the link to type into the browser in order to get there because that's one of the main differences between the web as a gallery for fine art or for photographs and a brick-and-mortar gallery. You can happen on a brick-and-mortar gallery by accident. You can walk down the street not knowing exactly where you're going and find a gallery and walk in. You can't do that on the web right? because right. unless there is a link, there's no way you'll ever by accident land on a website. It just is not part of the, the map, you know.
1: Well, in some areas like in Scottsdale, you have, you know, streets of gallery after gallery after gallery. And they'll have, you know, a gallery night where all the galleries are open late at night on a Friday night or Saturday night. And it's usually in the summertime here in, uh, you know, where we live in the valley because it's a, a nice, uh, pleasant event to do in the evenings to go into the galleries and look at what they're selling. And
0: gallery work.
1: Mm-hmm. But gallery there is
0: no walk. such thing as a street on the Internet. And so you can't have people stroll by not knowing that you're there and happen on your website by accident. It doesn't work that way. You have to tell people where you are on the Internet. That is, the only way that somebody's going to get to your website is if you tell them how to get there. I either give them the link or they type it in because, you know, or they do a search for you. For example, if I look at my stats on Google as far as searchers, the number one search is for my first and last name. Alan Brio, either spelled with A-L-A-I-N or A-L-A-N, right? And Brio. And and that's how they find me. What if they did not know my name? they wouldn't find me Mm -hmm. so basically i'm working on the fact that i have name recognition that people know my name right but before they knew that before they knew my name i wasn't getting any traffic right you know and i think that that's one of the things that people who you know start to sell their work and quickly decide that it's not working and quit don't realize it takes years it's not automatic at all. You can't just set up a website and expect tomorrow to make thousands of dollars. I think a lot of photographers are also fairly unrealistic. I've had several students that came to do consulting about marketing tell me that their goal was not to make a whole lot of money. Their goal was to make two to $4,000 a month and they'll be content with that.
1: Oh, that's a lot of money.
0: That is a lot of money for art. Yeah. It is. and of course if we multiply that by 12 we get between thirty and forty thousand dollars, which is not a very high level of income. you know I'm sure that for these people uh, you know uh, they are making six figures usually so you know 20, 40 grand a year is not a big number. But in art what they don't know is that most artists make around four to five thousand um, dollars a year on average. and generating uh, t- several thousand dollars of sales over a month is a very high number for most artists right of course we can make much more than that and we do but we've been at it for a long time and we understand marketing very well when i started i was making not even a few hundreds a month you know and we went from there you know and so i think there is a certain level of unrealistic expectations when somebody comes to me and say you know i'm not asking for a whole lot what i want is to make just two to four thousand dollars a month the first thing i say to them is listen that is a lot (laughs) right you know you don't realize it because forty thousand dollars a year or thirty thousand dollars a year is not an enormous amount but to get to that number in art you're going to have to do a lot of work and you can't just open a website and expect people to come in and spend four thousand dollars a month without you doing a thing except building the website
1: i had uh, several artists Painters, I remember one was a painter, one was also a photographer who did completely different work. I would call it more mixed media. And uh, when they did the same show that I did, I remember just seeing their expressions because they sold absolutely nothing. I mean, all day long, you know, and as the day got longer, you know, the more Mm -hmm. they went into themselves. and
0: They became depressed. Yeah, Yeah. and
1: you could just see it, you know, and they would never come back, you know.
0: Well, we've had several shows, quite a few actually, where we were the only ones selling.
1: Yes, that's true.
0: And we even had the show organizers come to see us and ask us what was going on. Because everybody, you know, meaning all the, the visitors, all the people that came to the show to buy, were in our booth.
1: Right, I know another time in North Scottsdale near the boulders where I did a show by myself, I actually had a line of people and you weren't there to help me. And so I was wrapping frame pieces and bubble wrap and trying to write all the receipts. And and I had a line of people waiting. And out of the corner of my eye, I could see the other photographers, you know, walking around the corner, just, you know, checking out like, what is going on over here? And it made me feel a little, you know, self-conscious, but I had to, you know, I was still focusing on, you know, the sales, making the sales. Some of the customers would just, they literally handed me their credit card and said, you know, honey, I'm going to walk around the rest of the show and, you know, you just, I'll be back in whatever time, but here's my credit card. And by the time I come back, you'll have it all wrapped up. But I remember there was three or four photographers in that yeah. show that all walked together to see what was going on and I, I started to feel a little self conscious because, you know, they weren't making the sales that I was making.
0: And it's the difference between marketing and no marketing, because we used techniques obviously to bring people in when we didn't. And if you, if you bring somebody in, you're going to bring them to you because they're interested in you because you're selling it on the basis of your name, and they're not interested in them. Uh, and the funny story about them leaving their credit card and going around to walk through the show again is they couldn't buy your thing since you had their card. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so there was no reason they were going to spend their money well, somewhere Well,
1: and, and it obviously also shows you the trust that they have. You know right. they give me their credit card yeah. and say, "Here, you know, just keep it yeah. and I'm gonna and also, they did not want to lose that framed piece right. because I don't have multiple pieces of several things, mm. and a lot of times with the framing that I do, if I do fancy mats and I do inserts of sterling horse pendants and things like that they know it's a a one-of-a-kind and they're not going to take the chance that they walk around the show and come back and it's gone. Yeah, and and all of
0: that is marketing. I mean, all of that is marketing because we could do it differently. But what's important is that we're successful not because we're hoping to be successful but because we're actively working towards being successful. And to me, that's what makes the whole a whole lot of difference, you know. You know, going back to uh, students that uh, start to sell their work and get discouraged and quit everything, when really what's going on is it's not the photography that's the problem, it's the selling that's the problem. First, you have to give it a lot of time. It takes years. I mean, in my case, it took many years, you know. And, I mean, I started doing photography 10, 20 years before I started making an evening at it. So you have to count that, you know. You don't have to take that long, but it's certainly not going to happen overnight. And then the other thing is being able to separate the the selling from the creativity. Right. Because just because something is not selling doesn't mean you have nothing to say or you're not creative or you're not expressive or you're not good. It just means that you're probably not marketing it properly. You might not. And in very many instances, you haven't found an audience or, you know, you're just selling the wrong thing in the wrong
1: place. I had some artists that were considering doing some of the shows that I was doing in, but I was always very honest with them as far as, you know, what they could expect to make at a show. And I told them, you know, at this particular show with you just starting out, making two or three hundred dollars for just four hours and paying $40 is acceptable.
0: That's a reasonable expectation.
1: That's a reasonable yeah. expectation. To yeah. think that you're going to do 1000 thousand, fifteen hundred $1,500, yeah. or $2,000 in four hours, just right. starting is unrealistic. Now, I did have $1,000 sales at that show, but I mean... Somebody just coming in would not have a $1,000 sale or $800 sale regularly like I would.
0: Sure. No, I understand. The other thing that happens to students that start to sell their work and who are not doing too well with fine art work is they develop a line of commercial work. And we've seen that happen with students that uh, find a venue like a university and start selling photographs uh, that cater to, let's say, the football team or, you know, some landmark of the university. And we do well with that. Yes. And uh, because, of course, the minute you start to do that, you have found an audience, which is the audience of that university, either the students or the parents or the alumni.
1: Exactly,
0: And so you have an audience that's as large as basically the number of students that attend that university, plus their parents, plus the past alumni and so on, and the visitors also, the other team and so on. And so they start to sell their work that way, and they quit the creative work because they're like, well, that sells… But I don't want to do the other work because it doesn't sell.
1: Or it doesn't sell as well.
0: Exactly. You know, that is a big difference. Let's say 10 to 1 or, or sometimes 100 to 1. That is, they're going to sell 100 pieces of the commercial work and maybe one piece of the creative work. But again, here there is a misconception going on which is to think that the same audience that comes to you because of, to continue the example, the university is also going to buy from you because of you. There's no reason why they should. And in all Honestly, there's no reason at all why they should. I mean, when I was going uh, to a university, you know, I did buy posters, I did buy, you know, postcards, souvenirs. I think we've all done it. But if an artist had been there and said, you know, here, this is my name, I do this, I would have looked at them and thought, okay, that's nice, but I really don't want that. I want things from the university. These artists would have been in the wrong place. Right. They need to go to a show where artists' work is sold, not a show where. To continue the example, university things are sold.
1: More fine art versus commercial. Exactly.
0: That's the big difference is the commercial work versus the fine art work. There's nothing wrong doing both. But there is a problem where you get discouraged because your fine art work doesn't sell when you're really selling into a commercial work environment. It can sell. You know, you found an audience for the commercial work, but you still need to look for an audience for the fine art work. Right. And, of course, they are going to be different.
1: Well, I also think it's very important to not mix the two. When you're doing a show, if you're doing an art show, then it sh- you should only show your fine art images. You should not be, p- be putting any commercial work in there whatsoever. You should never mix the two. Yeah, exactly. For one thing, it'll confuse the audience. I mean, she does this... Or he does this, and then they do this, and sometimes they can't really see the connection between the two, and there really isn't a connection between the two.
0: There's usually no connection between the two. There is no connection between the audiences, and there is an enormous price discrepancy. Because if you do work for, you know, to continue the example, a university, and you see on posters and postcards and calendars, and when you put that next to Fine Art, there's going to be an enormous difference of price. I mean, the most you know, a poster is going to be sold for is twenty dollars, and that even will be high.
1: That is a hard. calendar,
0: twelve ninety-five. A postcard, a dollar, and all of those are already high prices. Well, Fine Art, I- if you do it right, Fine Art should sell in the hundreds of dollars. So it's a completely different price range. And it's limited quantities, it's quality-based while the commercial work is quantity-based and probably not of very high quality when it comes to archivability. I Mm -hmm. mean, posters are not archival, they are not mattered to museum standards, they are not mattered at all. You know, we don't buy them because they are going to last. We buy them because we want something to put in our dorm room or something to send to our parents or something to send to a student, you know.
1: Um, oh, I buy that stuff and yeah. send it to my sisters yeah. just as a memory of when yeah. we went to the university together. It's a know? completely different purpose. Yeah. And so
0: if you sell them at the same place, either if you sell it in a fine art environment, the fine art audience is going to look at the commercial work and think, how can they sell their work for so cheap? And how can they sell such work, you know, which is obviously not fine art. On the other hand, if you sell the fine art in the commercial work audience environment, they're going to look at the fine art and think, how can they think... That we are going to get that much money for this photo, they don't understand. They are not the same audiences. They don't have the same goal. They don't have the same background. They don't have the same desires. They don't have the same knowledge, and that's what it is. You know, you, you have to be very realistic about that. And again, y- you know, if you find a commercial audience, that doesn't mean that you should get discouraged and quit your fine art work because obviously you still have not found a fine art audience. You know, and that's the main problem. And then the other issue is. Do you really need to make money at this? Because for a lot of people that do photography and will have a good job, a good profession, they really don't need the income. They don't. And very often when they see that we make a living at this, they start to think, well, I need to make a living at this too. Or I need at least to make an income at this. What they don't realize is the difficulty of the task. It's We put a lot of work into this. I mean, we spend an enormous amount of energy and effort and, and quite a bit of money into marketing the work. Right. And if you just offer the work for sale on a website or at a show and you do none of the marketing, you don't really run a chance to sell anything. And the probability that you're going to be discouraged are very significant. Right. And for what? You don't need the money in the first place.
1: No, and the other sad thing that I have seen is that For some of customers that don't need the income that do decide to sell their photography, not only do they get discouraged, but sometimes they'll quit the photography. And if you don't need the income and your profession is entirely different from photography, you know, we need to keep in mind that everybody needs to have a hobby. And their hobby is photography.
0: What you're saying is that for some of... uh students and for a lot of photographers, this is a hobby.
1: It is and it's something that they really enjoy doing, going out in nature and photographing and the exercise that you get. A lot of people like to meditate when they're out there in the landscape. But what I have have also seen is that, you know, they have a good job. They're making good money. But then at some point, you know, they, for whatever reason, decide that they want to start um, selling their photography. And now it has changed from being a hobby to now being a business. And I have seen a couple of uh, students that we have that the excitement They lose the excitement, they lose the enthusiasm that they had for their hobby once they start to sell their work, and it doesn't sell well, and they get disappointed, and it's very important that you have hobbies and that you keep it as a hobby. It doesn't have to become a business. You do not need to make money doing this.
0: Well, or at least that if you make it into a business, you have realistic expectations that you don't expect your work to start selling like crazy overnight, or even to start selling at all. I mean, it took me 20 years to start selling work because I had no idea how to do it. And you can't sell your work if you do an accidental advertising here and there or an accidental attempt here and there. You've got to do it regularly, very seriously, and stay with it for a long time. To me, one of the reasons why I think I've been successful is because I was able to separate how well my work was selling from how much I enjoyed doing what I was doing, which is taking photographs. The fact that the work may or may not have sold very well never affected my enthusiasm for photography. Right. I wasn't discouraged because it wasn't selling.
1: Right.
0: I did not have any money. <laughs> That's the difference. But I was still excited about doing it. Right. And I, and I think I never thought about it you know, as I was doing it. That's just the way it was. But now that I can look back, I realize that it was a strong point in my life because I was not discouraged by the fact that sales were what they Mm were, you know. But a lot of people are discouraged, and and I think that's because they expect this to be easier than it is. Right. It always shocks me how somebody that has gone to school for 10 years, sometimes 20 years, to develop the knowledge and the qualification to do a high-level profession, thinks that they can study photography for a couple of years and then immediately starts... You know, making major sales—it just doesn't work that way. It's just as hard.
1: Oh yeah, definitely. (laughs) But that's the
0: thing that always puzzles me: is why they don't realize that the difficulty they had in learning their current profession is exactly the same as learning fine art. Right. If you want to make it a profession. If you think that being a published author is easy, or if you think that making six figures in art is easy, try again. It's not any easier than than being published in any profession or making six figures in any profession. It's just as hard. It's just differently hard. And what a lot of people confuse, and I think that's really one of the crux here, is hard work versus what they think is talent. That is, they think that with art, you succeed because you're talented. And so if you're talented, then immediately success is only a matter of putting your work out there and waiting. No, I mean, (laughs) that doesn't work that way.
1: I have also seen how uh, not only do they lose their enthusiasm for creating artwork, but uh, also the creative aspect just changes. And so now they're more concerned about taking a photograph that they think is going to sell well, as opposed to doing what they were doing before, which was very unique to them. As an individual photographer, then they've started to push that to the wayside and start taking photographs that they think are going to sell or are marketable or that will, you know, do well at shows. And um, the creative part, or you know, where they were developing a personal style and doing something really unique and interesting, is just placed on the back burner.
0: Exactly, and I think what happens, what you're describing, is basically taking a commercial route,
1: mm-hmm.
0: which ends up being developing a commercial line of, of products of photography. And again, the thing that is often forgotten is how long it takes to sell a fine art product, a fine art photograph. If you're going to sell on a basis of your name, which you have to in order to really sell fine art, it's not going to happen in a year. It's not going to happen in two years. It's going to take a long time. In my experience, what I've seen from many students is that if it doesn't happen within two years, they quit. At the most, and some of them quit faster, and then some of them will take a, f- a third year, and maybe a fourth year. It took me 20 years. <laughs> okay. I mean, that's you know, I started photography in 1980. My first camera that I would consider to have been bought with the purpose of creating fine art photograph was bought in 1980. And before that, I had training at the arts and I went into photography. And I think I sold my first photograph around 1993 or 94, right? when I was at Michigan Technological University.
1: Yeah, the poor artist show. You know, yeah. and,
0: and so it's not even 20 years, it's 24 years.
1: And you taught photography as no, well. No,
0: 1980 to 1994, that's 14 years. right? So I started then, and we started the business in 1997, so that's 17 years later. But I mean, you know, anywhere, let's say on average, about 15 years to sell a photograph. We're not talking two to three years. You could not make it in two to three years. That's just not in the cards. And if you look at the story of other photographers, not just my story, what you'll find out is that it's very comparable. Mm -hmm. It's not going any faster for them.
1: No, it isn't.
0: So all of this to say that it's important to not be discouraged and to not stop being creative and creating fine art photographs just because they don't sell. Because expecting fine art to sell very well, or even at all, within a span of a couple of years is fully unrealistic. It takes much longer than that, and it takes specific training. You have to study how to market fine art photography. And of course, in marketing, there is a lot of things that are similar across professions, but how you sell fine art is very different from the way you sell a lot of things. Mm -hmm. One, One of the things that's very important is to understand that you have to study how to sell fine art photography. And even though in marketing there is a number of things that are common to selling different types of product, there is a lot of things about selling fine art that are entirely different than selling other types of product.
1: No, I agree. I have had or heard several people say to you and I both, well, you know, I was in charge of marketing in this corporation. Well, hold on for a second. (laughs) You know, that is completely different than selling fine art you
0: right. Know. In other words, they have knowledge of marketing. Some of them are experts, marketers, but they still don't have the experience of marketing themselves as a fine artist. That, that's really the crux of it. You know, that you have to really know how to market you as a person. Right. And not so much market a product.
1: The team or the product. Or yeah. I mean, you right. know, let's say
0: we develop a computer, we're going to market a computer. But here, if I I create a new photograph, I'm really marketing myself. But I
1: have had several artists that started doing shows that retired from corporations tell me, oh, I don't need to study marketing. Mm -hmm. You know, I was in charge of marketing in this corporation. And I would just look at their booth and, you know, look at how they were selling the artwork. and Because it's it's two different different
0: endeavors. I mean, you know, I'm an expert in marketing fine art. But if I was to create a computer and I wanted to market it, I would hire somebody to teach me how to do it. Because I would not at any point believe that my knowledge of marketing fine art is going to extend into knowledge of marketing computers. There's nothing in common. No. I mean, there's a lot of things about marketing, like I said, that are common across the board, across many different products. But if you've never sold a particular product, you can't expect to come in, you know, And I hit a home run.
1: Right, but these also these businesses, these corporations that do sell products and market products, they are trying to sell to everybody. Their audience is huge, you know. Whereas when you're selling fine art, and if you're doing it right, you know, you're not selling to the masses.
0: Well, the fine art audience is smaller. Which is why it's so difficult to find an audience, as we talked earlier on, to sell fine art or to show your fine art work because it's a very small audience. And very often when you start, you're going to have an audience of just one, two, three, maybe 10 people.
1: That's true. But those people will come back and keep buying from you again and again and again.
0: Because they become collectors. And if you yes, charge exactly. a, an adequate amount, then you can make a good income from that. Of course, if you charge $10 a piece and you have 10 people and they all buy, you have $100. But if you charge 1,000 people, you have 10,000. Mm-hmm. You know, That's why you have to price fine art at a high price. And that's why it's important to sell on a piece of personal style. Otherwise, if you price something that has no style at a high price, you're not going to sell. Because people are going to be like, why should I pay that much for a photo that looks just like anybody's photo? Right? Or worse, I could take it myself. You have to sell on a basis of, of your personality. You know, When I started, my audience was just a few people, mostly the faculty uh, at the university. And a few people that collected my work. But really, it was centered around the university. It was faculty members. And we started collecting the work, and, and I went on from there. I did not have an audience of millions of people. <laughs> I mean, you know, potentially go back to the computer. We all need a computer. Right. But how many of us need fine art? I mean, you know, we can debate whether the ownership of fine art makes your life better or not. I'm of your opinion that it does. But a lot of people don't need fine art. It's not a need. It's a want. It's something that you have to work your way to and eventually that you buy because you have disposable income. You know, not because, you know, you need it. I mean, can very well exist without that. Mm-hmm. So so all of that to say, you know, without going into teaching fine art marketing, that it's very important to be realistic, I think. To me, that's the really, the bottom line of all this discussion, is you have to be realistic about why you're doing this. Are you doing it because it's a passion that you want to fulfill and, and it's a hobby, something that you enjoy doing, without the responsibility of making it a profession? Or do you need to make an income at this in order to continue buying the equipment and and doing it? Right. Right. Because we have students for whom, if they don't sell their work, they can't buy more paper for their printer, they can't buy another lens, they can't buy another camera, they can't upgrade their software. They have to have an income from this. But, you know, for many people, that's not the case. And my opinion is that if I could do this and I did not have to make an income at it, I wouldn't, (laughs) you know. It's far more enjoyable as just a hobby.
1: Right. You know. Well, I've heard you say to a couple of students, you know, you don't need to make a living doing this. Just enjoy it. Have a great time. Do your artwork. Do what you love.
0: Exactly. Mm-hmm. And, and I think I know from experience because for a long time I did not need to make an income at this and I had a very different approach to it. That doesn't mean that having made the decision to make it a business has ruined that. But that means that the other areas of my life where what I do is a hobby, I'm fully aware of what would happen if I turned it into a profession. You know, I love cars, you know, racing and, and uh, collecting cars. And when I see a race, I know exactly where these people stand. They have made it a profession. And their enjoyment is totally different. I had a customer, actually, uh, who told me that he rests at Le Mans in uh, a corvette from the Lizard team, I think. The Flying Lizard team, which was a very good team, and I said, "Wow, my God, how was it?" He says, "You know, the minute you make this profession, it's a completely different ball game." <laughs> and, and and I got <laughs> the t- point. Took the
1: pleasure right out of it. It
0: wasn't as pleasurable as it could have been.
1: Now it's yeah. very competitive
0: because now he has a job to to fulfill, right. and he has to drive his his four-hour slot, and he has to make sure that he doesn't lose time, that he doesn't look track. He has to make sure that the car is in good shape when he passes it to the next driver because there's three drivers. Right. That Le Mans because you, you race for 24 hours exactly. and you go to sleep, right? So you can't <laughs> right. drive the whole distance. So there's three drivers that rotate and you have responsibilities. Right. If you crash the car, the two others are going to get ticked off. If you break the car, they are going to be upset also. So it's not just the fun of racing, it's, it's a profession. It's, you have, and you have to probably try your best to win. <laughs> or to actually finish uh, you know at a reasonable place in the race and what not and, and all of a sudden and then you have money and you have career and you have the guy that's your teammate competing with you and who is going to be the fastest mm-hmm. and who's going to race the best and and whether you're going to have a contract for next year or whether the car is going to be good enough that you want to race again with the team, the team has enough money. I mean, there's all sort of things that you never think about when you're a spectator. You just think, wow, look at that. That's a nice car and they are doing good. Right. You know, you're excited <laughs> and you have no idea. And, and. Uh, that's why I say what I say. Knowing that and having a passion for cars, the last thing I want to do is go into that. Because that would turn the hobby into a profession. I have enough with one profession. <laughs> I don't need two or three. No, you
1: know. no. There's only so many hours in a the day. There's only so many
0: hours in the day. And there's only only so many things that you can enjoy without responsibilities. Right. And you really have to treasure them. And I think that it's very tempting to say, wow, I want to do what they do. But before you do, just talk to them <laughs> and ask them you know, what they really are going through because I think it's going to make a big difference. You know? So keep it a hobby. That's the message. If you have to make a living at it, then that's a different matter. But if you don't, keep it a hobby and give it time. Don't try to rush the process. Don't try to be successful in two years when all of us have taken much longer than that. I think that to me sums it up.
1: Well, I also think, you know, that if you want to show your work and exhibit your work, you know, that doesn't mean you have to do art shows and sell your work.
0: Well, you don't have to do shows for sale. That's what I I think you're selling. Yes. You you can exhibit your work without selling being the number one goal.
1: If you want to share your art, you know, it, it doesn't have to be for sale.
0: Yeah, you can very well share your work with other people without trying to sell it or without trying to make selling the issue that uh, makes the show a success or not. That is, you can have a great show without selling, uh, you know, everything or even anything. You know, we went through that on another podcast. People can love your work without buying it. Mm -hmm. You know, and I think that's important to understand. And all of that is really going to help keeping, uh, you know, your stress down and, and keeping the enjoyment alive.